Welcome to Linda's Corner. My name is Linda Bjork, and today we're going to be talking about shadow beliefs and unconscious commitments. I'm delighted to welcome special guest, Nancy Picard. Nancy is a certified integrative coach through the Ford Institute for Transformational Training and the Love and Life Coach Academy. She is also the author of the international bestseller, Bigger, Better, Braver. Conquer your fears, embrace your courage, transform your life. You can reach Nancy at her website, nancypicardlifecoach.com, and I'll include a link in the show notes. Welcome, Nancy. I'm so glad that you could join with me today. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, I am delighted. And as I just reading the title of your book, I feel empowered. And I'm so excited to be feeling that empowerment today because a lot of people feel fearful. So is it okay if we start with your story? What made you want to become bigger and better and braver? Uh, well, it actually was not part of my plan. I didn't know I needed to be bigger, better, braver. Uh, but I was married 26 years. And when my marriage fell apart, I fell apart. And it did not have the tools that I have today, which is part of how I got into coaching in the first place. But um, it was a transformation. It took me a long time. And it wasn't so much about fear or not fear. It was more about thinking that I was only whole because I was half of a whole. Mm. I didn't know I was whole by myself and that I was worthy just because I breathed. That's really basically all we need to be worthy is that we're on this earth. So it was a big transformation for me. And I'm, I used to own a personal training gym. So holistic lifestyle and fitness and basically outer fitness was what I did for the first half of my life. And now inner fitness is what I'm doing for the second half of my life. And I love what I'm doing. And I love to empower people. You know, we all have fears. And I think that People think that other people are braver or that they're in a fearless state and that when they're in a fearless state, they too will move forward. But nobody is in a fearless state. Those of us who are successful and who try other things and who have a growth mindset, we have we harness our fear and we use it as a driving force to change. So Anything that comes my way that I'm afraid to do or the imposter syndrome, it's like, that's bigger than you. I know that that's my signal that I have to step in and that I will be whatever I think I'm not enough of. I will be exactly that on the other side of this. So that's that's my dream for everybody is to learn how to harness their fear, make it your friend, have compassion for it. because. Really, our fears are all based from our childhood. They're our adaptive child. They're the child who learned how to live in this world from their own wounds. So you've got the wounded child, and then you have the adaptive child, and then you have your conscious adult mind. And most of our fears are being ruled by this adaptive child. And so when we can recognize them, maybe even see where they came from, we can harness that to move forward. Wow. Okay. This is amazing. You covered so many things as you were discussing. I would like to go back and kind of pick things apart just a little bit. Now, you talked about feeling like you are not 
whole, you were a half of a whole. And you also worked on that outer fitness and how here you owned this gym, your tight ends for, was it 20 years? And also you have a bachelor's degree in psychology and a master's in uh, education. And so you have all of the tools and resources and, and you had incredible adventures. When did you climb Mount Kilimanjaro? When, when was that? Was that before or is that after? No, that was um, five years ago. I was turning 60 and I wanted to prove to myself that I still could do big things. You know, I, I was still able to climb mountains and, you know, face my fears because I actually used to have a shadow belief that I wasn't safe alone. And so I didn't travel alone. I didn't go out to dinner alone. I didn't go to a movie. You know, I just didn't do anything alone. And that's also why I was always in a relationship because I didn't feel like I was a whole person by myself. So I uncovered that belief somewhere that year and to prove to myself that I could do big things and that I was safe alone. I took a trip to Thailand and I took another trip to Vietnam and I trained for six months. And I actually was like two weeks into my 61st birthday when I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. That is amazing. So you took that fear and you did something with it after you discovered it was there. And we have to discover what our fears are before we can address them. Sometimes they're so deeply hidden. Like when you were in your relationship, it, it didn't really matter that you knew that you thought you were not whole without someone because you were in that spot and it already fit what you needed. So from someone who is watching, and you mentioned that, you know, we think other people are strong and we're weak. And you were thinking the same thing, where anyone who would be looking at you would say, oh my gosh, look at Nancy. She's brilliant. She is educated. She is beautiful. She is capable. She is fit. She's an entrepreneur. She's running this business. She's doing all of these things. And then something happened where you realized, you know, I have some weaknesses inside of me that are affecting me. And you mentioned that it came, these things come from our childhood. And you had a couple of lists of three different children thing. It was a fearful child, adaptive child, and what was the other one? Child. So we well, all, I mean, I was very fortunate. I had a really great child, you know, upright upbringing, but so many people do not. And whether you have a good childhood or you don't have a good childhood, you still have child, you still have shadow beliefs and childhood wounds. I'm not good enough. I'm unworthy. My voice doesn't matter. My needs don't matter. I'm broken. I need to control everything to be safe. I mean, these are some of the themes that run in the background of our mind. And we're not aware of them, but they rule our operating system. And so those whose wounds are more evident to themselves, maybe they even know some of their fears and their shadow beliefs. But for others of us, we don't know them. I did not know I had that belief that I'm, you know, I'm not safe alone, even though it comes from I was five years old and I put myself on fire playing with a lighter. And so that makes total sense to a five-year-old who puts yourself on fire. Yeah, you were smart to think you weren't safe alone. And so shadow beliefs are really formed in our childhood to keep us safe. So my belief, you're not safe alone, made perfect sense because I obviously 
wasn't that safe alone. Uh, let's say you have an alcoholic father and every time you open your mouth, you get hit. Well, you can come up with the belief that I'm not safe, either I'm not safe to give my opinion or my opinion doesn't matter or um, any number of things. I'm broken. I'm not good enough. I'm unlovable. No one will take care of my needs. These are all some of the beliefs that come out of our wounded childhoods, even when they're good childhoods. Because I'll tell you, I had a really normal, healthy childhood. And I was also the third girl. I was the baby. I was um, my mother's like best little friend. And so I grew up thinking I was really special. Well, when my husband no longer wanted to be married to me, then I was no longer special. And so one way or the other, we get to unworthy. We either learn it in our childhood or we believe we're special until the first time we get knocked off our pedestal and then we join the ranks of unworthy. We all get to unworthy one way or the other deep down inside that wounded child thinks they're not enough. I agree. That makes perfect sense to me. So when we talk about shadow work, and I like the term of shadow because it's quiet, kind of hidden, where it can be a belief that is running our lives and we don't even notice that it's there. So it is just this quiet thing. So let's talk about how do we find what those beliefs are? I mean, obviously when something traumatic happens, a big change, then we do. Is there, is there a way that we can do it that doesn't require some kind of a trauma? (laughs) Well, yeah. So that's what shadow coaches do. When people come to me, regardless of what they come to me for, one of the first things we do is uncover through you know, these um, internal processes that I take you through, we uncover the what the why you have the discrepancy between what you say you want and what you're getting. It's that. It's the shadow beliefs. It's the unconscious commitments. So you could start if you don't, I mean, first of all, there's internal processes in my book that do that can help people do it on their own, or you can hire a coach, or you can just say to yourself, I say I want X. But what I'm experiencing is why. So I say I want to be in a committed relationship, but what I'm experiencing is finding something wrong with every guy so that I can break up with them before they break up with me. So that person is more committed to keeping their heart safe than getting what they want. And so once they learn that, then I can help them to stay open-hearted and to be more vulnerable and to take a chance so that they can actually move through that belief, give themselves a new empowering belief. I'm worthy of love. Um, I'm, I mean, basically that's it. I'm worthy of love. I can handle having my heart broken if that happens. I'm stronger than my beliefs. Like there's all kinds of things you can start to tell yourself so you can let go of that disempowering belief. And now as an adult, to give yourself a new belief that actually goes towards the goal that you're looking for. So I say I want to lose 20 pounds, but what I'm experiencing is cookies every night. 
right? <laughs> so, or drinking alcohol every day or, you know, binging, whatever it is, you can start to see, oh, I'm more committed to instant gratification, which is always feeding a wound, than long-term gratification, which is sort of your adult mind can put up with the longevity of how long it's going to take you because at the end of the day, you really want that goal. Isn't that wonderful? So there are clues. There are clues that there's something going on. And I love that discrepancy between what you think you want and what you're getting. And it's not that the universe is against us. It's actually that we are against ourselves. But it's on that subconscious or unconscious hidden level. And so we are not aware of it. How wonderful that you help people become aware that self-awareness is the first step to any sort of improvement. We, we have to know what we need to improve before we can fix it. So that is wonderful to be able to find that. And then to be able to make those changes after we have identified something, say, I'm not safe alone. And now I have identified, oh, now I know where that comes from. How do you uh, reprogram your mind and your subconscious to say, you know, that that model may have fit when I was five, but it doesn't fit now that I'm an adult. Well, the reality is that when you bring it into the conscious, your conscious awareness, it loses some of its power just from that. Okay, it's no longer working in the background. It's out in the open. And when it's out in the open, you yourself as an adult can say, oh, of course I'm safe alone, right? I'm not five anymore. You know, I'm 60. I am safe alone. And so then you start by reprogramming the the neurons in your brain by either tapping or writing affirmations or putting it, you know, saying it to yourself, looking in the mirror and doing mirror work. I am safe alone. I am all I need. You know, I am whole by myself. You're reinforcing your new empowering belief. And by doing that, at the same time, that old outdated one has lost its power because, and you don't make it wrong, it was formed to keep you safe. But once you're an adult, it's not keeping you safe anymore. Right. And then you do an action step. I went and climbed Kilimanjaro. You know, I did a bike trip in Thailand and in Vietnam. I did things to prove to myself, yes, you can do things alone. You are whole by yourself. So you, if you're working with a coach, then I help you with what your new empowering belief is. And then you go out that week and you come back having performed some action step that you said you were going to do to prove that belief, the new empowering belief was true. I love that. I love that it includes action. One of my favorite quotes from The Atomic Habits by James Clear, where he says, the most practical way to change who you are is to change what you do. As we have that evidence that supports who we want to be and who we want to become, what we want to become, it helps us to say, yeah, because a lot of times we have our beliefs and we say, I have this belief because I have all this evidence to support it. And we're right. 
But we forget sometimes that we can create new evidence by doing something a little different, which is just brilliant. Well done. Yes, that's great work. I love it. I'm passionate about it because the ahas that people get when you work with them blow your mind and blow their mind. Like I know how I would feel if that was my belief that I just uncovered. So I can only imagine how they're feeling. And yeah, it's, it's huge work really is huge work. It is. It's huge work because it is absolutely transformational. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden pieces of your story start to make sense. It's like, Oh, that's why I do this. Oh, that's where that came from. Oh, and I love how you mentioned that even just finding it makes it lose its power over us, which mm-hmm. is so important because, again, we, we really can't heal if we don't know that there's a, a, something that needs to be healed. Right. So what happens is that people come to me and they'll say, you know, I'm a self-sabotager. I do the same thing over and over again, or I keep dating the same person over and over again. And that's because of those beliefs. Once you uncover them, you stop attracting people and situations into your life that actually are proving your limitations because your ego wants to be right. So if you think you're not good enough, you're only going to attract people into your life that are either your bottom feeding, they really are not worthy, or they are, they're going to make you feel unworthy. They're going to be the one in a one-up position and they're going to make you feel unworthy so that you get to say, see, look, I am unworthy. Exactly. Oh, that is so important that we recognize that. I have a friend who put it this way. He said, whatever message you send out into the universe, the universe will respond. This is true. Here's some more evidence to support that. And so as we have these, these, this unconscious beliefs, then we have a tendency to uh, find ways to make them true, either by what we do or what we attract into our lives. So I am in complete agreement. That is wonderful. Man, I wish, I'm glad we're having this conversation and helping people to become aware because this is part of all of us. And I love that you mentioned, it's not just for those children who were abused. It's not just for those people who had something traumatic in their lives. When I was, I was also raised by wonderful, wonderful parents, just adorable. If you met them, you'd say, oh my gosh, they are the nicest people on the planet. And yet when I was six, my mom had a personal trauma. It shut her down. My interpretation of it was, what did I do? It must've been horrible. She doesn't love me anymore. She doesn't want anything to do with me. I, I am unlovable. And, and it was, and I, so shameful that uh, I, I couldn't make her love me. I thought, man, there's something so wrong with me. And not until much, much later was I able to recognize it didn't have anything to do with me. It was her situation and to be able to disentangle what part was mine. Because as children, we tend to think, oh, well, it's my fault. I did something bad. I and I love, it. yeah, I'm so sorry. What's that? I must be a bad person. Exactly, exactly. And in cases of abuse, in cases of problems, that's what children believe is, I I must have done something to deserve this. I love um, Dr. Gabor Mate when he talks in his uh, Wisdom of Trauma, that that is a natural response of children. 
And he, he explains it this way. He says, uh, we're dependent on the adults in our life and we have to, you know, trust them. And so we think, well, I got to trust you. So the problem must be me. Right. Um, and it makes, it makes sense as a child, but we need to untangle those things as we grow up. I was going to say that I just finished um, getting certified as a grief educator with David Kessler. Wonderful. And David Kessler did a session with um, Dr. Mate. Oh, how lovely. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah. He's a Holocaust survivor. Yes. Well, his parents were Holocaust survivors. Yeah. He was an infant. He had to be given away as a child oh, to protect right. him because that's his right. parents were uh, in prison. Right. Yeah. So here in, in the reality, his mother and father were doing their very, very best to protect him. But in his, even as an infant, his interpretation of it was, I'm not wanted. Yeah. They, they got rid of me. Yeah. And it so was- it's interesting that what we perceive doesn't always match what is. And as we kind of recognize, and then, and then we have these shadow beliefs, these shadow things that if we don't put some light on them, then they stay with us forever. Right. And if you don't do the work, you don't even know they're happening. Like he tells a story about his wife was supposed to pick him up at the uh, at the airport. And when he got off the plane, there was a message that said, I'm still at home, uh, whatever, you know, hopefully you'll you'll can get I'm in the middle of a, a big project. Hopefully you'll you'll just get an Uber. And he was blown away and really angry and like really just like a child bent out of shape until he was able to look at that and say, she just triggered my abandonment and she didn't abandon me. She just can't pick me up, you know? So, but his whole day was ruined because his adaptive child felt that he'd been abandoned again at like 80 years. You know, I don't, he's pretty old. I don't know how old he is, but let's just say he's in his seventies or eighties. He's still getting triggered from that wound from his childhood. Isn't that interesting? And when you're in the situation, if someone were to ask him, why are you angry? The response would be because my wife didn't pick me up. There is some surface situation that seems to answer the question, but the real answer lies deeper. There is a root to the problem, something that might be hidden that takes a little bit of work. I think that's an excellent example of how easy it is to make a mountain out of a molehill. And that can be another one of those clues where it's just, you know, that probably shouldn't have affected me as badly as it did. Let's see if we can figure out where that came from. Why am I so upset? What am I making this mean about me? Where else have I felt this way before? Ooh, see, now I like that. Where else have I been before? Because again, if I'm just stuck in my place of, well, my wife didn't pick me up. She is. And then you go off on a rant about how horrible she is. That doesn't heal us. Right. It might kind of make us feel justified in that right. moment, but it doesn't, it doesn't heal us so that we can be okay by getting an Uber and realizing it's not that big of a deal. Right. I um, will survive. 
I survived that, I'll survive this. Exactly. Oh, that is amazing. All right. Um, let's see. How do we get out of autopilot? Well, you know, we're all we all are we all spend time in autopilot. You wouldn't be able to ski down a mountain or drive a car if you weren't in autopilot. It's more about emotional autopilot. And we go through years and we're not as happy as we should be, and we don't know why, or we're in a dead-end job and we don't change it, or we're in we're in a relationship that is not serving us and we don't know how to get out of it. We binge eat, we binge watch TV. So the first thing to do is just question, hmm, where am I in autopilot? What am I doing We like just on rote and that I'm not really paying attention to? And then ask yourself some questions. You know, am I happy? If I'm not happy, where is my unhappiness coming from? What can I do to be happier? Am I living in the past or am I moving towards the future? Are the choices I'm making in alignment with the goals that I've set for myself? Or am I just like, I'm autopilot. You've got to start to ask yourself these questions. Then once you see where you're in autopilot, you can make some changes. Okay, I binge watch TV. I'm going to make a limit to how much I'm going to watch or how much I'm going to shop online. Or um, I'm an overexerciser. So if I'm on autopilot, I could just run my body into the ground because I'm doing too much exercise. If I stay out of autopilot, I can have some rules and boundaries for myself. I won't do more than two activities in a day. Even if I, you know, I might go hiking and then go to yoga. I might go skiing and play pickleball. I'm, you know, any combination I want, but I can only do two things. And so that keeps me mindful of my commitment to self-care. And my self-care is usually don't exercise as much. Most people's self-care is the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. How many people are listening are thinking, dang, I wish I had that problem. (laughs) It's like those people who clean their houses when they get angry. It's like, dang, I wish that was my go-to. My house would be so clean and beautiful. Well done. So once again, it comes back to becoming Mm self-aware, asking some questions and digging for those roots of where did this come from? We're not just like little, you know, plastic bags floating in the wind. We have a lot more control over our life than we realize. And how wonderful that you talk about being on autopilot. I've heard that research shows that about 95% of our brain activity is unconscious. And of course, that includes all our body functions. I'm so glad my body unconsciously makes sure my heart is beating and makes sure that I'm breathing and all of those things. But we spend a lot of our time in functioning also in that unconscious role. And if we kind of turn up the conscious a little bit, we can alter our unconscious so that it serves us better. And so I'm delighted with what you do. Is there anything that you want to make sure we cover before we close today? Um, well, I want everyone to really step out of their comfort zone, take tiny, tiny steps, prove to yourself over and over again, what you're capable of doing. Don't let fear stop you. Remember that the last person in the race still beats the person on the couch. couch get moving. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for visiting with me today. You're welcome. It was my pleasure. Oh, mine as well. Mm -hmm. In closing, I like to share a quote by Oprah Winfrey. 
she said, we can't become what we need to be by remaining what we are. Mm -hmm. Today, I invite you to become bigger, better, and braver so you can become what you need to be. See you next time on Linda's Corner. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Linda's Corner, please share and subscribe to help us reach new listeners. I also invite you to check out my nonprofit, Hope for Healing, at the website hopeforhealingfoundation.org for free ebooks, free audiobooks, and other free resources to help increase happiness, build confidence and self esteem, strengthen relationships, manage stress, and calm feelings of depression and anxiety. I also invite you to grab a copy of one of my books, like Crushed A Journey Through Depression, or Amazon bestseller, You Got This an action plan to calm fear, anxiety, worry, and stress. See you next time on Linda's Corner.